That was an incredible song, wasn't it? I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And that idea, that truth, is, is going to dovetail so well into the passage that we're going to get into this morning. So allow me to pray for us as we look into the Bible, look into God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give me the ability to speak clearly from your Word? Would you allow me to uh, speak only what is true, Lord? And Lord, insofar as I speak what is true, would those who are attending here this morning receive that truth? In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now all of us at one level or another at, are at a crossroads, at a fork in the road in our lives. There's something coming up, I'm not sure what it is for you, but there's something coming up that is ultimately out of your control. It might be something trivial, it might be something rather large. I imagine there are some students in here this morning and they're wondering, well, am I gonna pass or am I gonna fail? There are some people who are looking uh, for a job opportunity, they've just done an interview perhaps and they're wondering, am I gonna get the job or am I not? There are some people who are in perhaps even more dire straits. Is my marriage going to stay together or not? You know, is this diagnosis going to be good or not? We're in this fork in the road where, you know, the outcome isn't really in our control. How can we live through that? How can we even, how can we even have joy through that? In the passage we're about to read, uh, the Apostle Paul, who writes the book of Philippians, has this to say. It's about to come up on the screen. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He was in a fork in the road. He was either going to be killed, we're going to get into the details of this later, he was either going to be killed or released from prison. And he looks at these two divergences in the road, things that are ultimately out of his control. You know, he says, one outcome is for me, for me to live, and to live is to live for Christ, and that brings him joy. And the other outcome is to die. And you know what he says? That's even better. He has joy either way. In fact, he can hardly decide between the two. How can we have that same joy? Each of us are in a fork in the road in our own lives. How can we have joy, the kind of joy that Paul is talking about here? We're continuing a series called Discovering True Joy. How do believers have a joy, and how can you have a joy that lasts even if our circumstances don't bring us joy? All of us are looking for happiness. All of us work every day so that we're happy. That's basically all we do all day is to try and make ourselves happy. But happiness comes up and down. It's kind of like the weather. Sometimes we're really happy, sometimes we're not. And Christianity doesn't promise you happiness. But knowing Christ does promise you something much greater, joy. Joy, a deep, deep soul happiness that doesn't come and go with our circumstances, but is sourced in knowing who God is. And today's sermon is called Joyfully Torn. The Apostle Paul, who writes the book of Philippians, he was torn between two outcomes. And he could have joy no matter which outcome. And as we read through the scripture, we are going to discover how we can have that same joy no matter what fork in the road you are on. Hey, you may even be staring down the barrel of death. 
but you, like Paul, can still have this joy. So we're going to learn a few things from this passage. I want you to open up to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be starting at verse 18 and going on from there. There's a Bible in the row in front of you. There's also could be a Bible on your phone. There's some great free apps out there, but of course it will also be on the screen. Um, so I hope you open up to that. And the first thing that we're going to learn is this. Deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. You have a fork in the road and you don't know whether it's going to turn out this way or that way, whether it's going to turn out well or poorly. But if you know God, if you know Christ, deliverance is coming. This is what we're going to learn in the scripture. So let's take a look. It's going to start in verse 18, the second part of verse 18, and it says this. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This is Paul speaking, and he's been in this, uh, in this book so far. He's been listing off all of the reasons why he can have joy. Now, just a reminder for you, Paul is in jail at this point. He's been preaching the gospel uh, in a Roman empire that does not allow the preaching of the gospel, not allow preaching of Christ. So he's in jail, and he's met with this fork in the road. Either the authorities are going to kill him and execute him for what he's done, or the possibility is there that he could be released. So those are the two options before him. And he says he can continue to rejoice. How can he continue to rejoice? This is what he says, verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul says, hey, look, I, I know that the church in Philippi, they're praying for me. And I know that God is working through those prayers. And I know that God is with me because I'm a believer in Christ. And here's a wonderful truth just to start off this morning. If you are a believer in Christ, God is with you. God is always with you. You don't go into any situation alone. God is with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? That's a wonderful truth just to start off the morning. And Paul knows this. So he knows that whatever's coming is for his, his deliverance. Now, what does he mean by that? How does he know that he's going to be delivered from the situation, saved from the situation that he's in? Does he just know somehow that they're going to open up the bars and he's going to just leave prison? Is that what he's talking about? Actually, no. The truth is much, much greater than that. Take a look at the next few verses. It says this. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, this is that great verse, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. He's, he's torn between the two options. Verse 23, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he knows what situation he's in. He's going to be delivered one way or another. That's how he knows he's going to be delivered. He says, hey, even if I die, I will be delivered. Even if I live, I will be delivered. Deliverance is coming one way or another. He knows that God is for him. He knows that God works all things together for the good of those who love Christ. And so he knows whether it goes this way or whether it goes that way. Even though he's not in control of this situation, he knows he will be delivered. 
He's joyfully torn between these two outcomes. Here's one outcome. He may see Christ. He may see Christ. He's either going to serve Christ if he's delivered from prison and he's freed, or he's going to see Christ. And seeing Christ means, well, if he's killed, he will be given over to God. He will go to heaven and he will have eternal life. Those are the options. He's going to ha either have the joy of seeing Christ or the joy of serving Christ. In fact, we're going to see the pros of seeing Christ. Yeah, he actually lists out all of the pros he has for each option. Here we go. First, he knows that if he sees Christ, if he's killed, that Christ will be exalted. Jesus will be praised even if he's killed. Because the people around will know that he died for the sake of Christ. He died because he believed in Jesus and would not deny his faith. So he knows Christ will be exalted. He also knows to die is gain. If he dies, he'll be freed from his mortal, at this point, Paul is really old, his frail, sickly body, and he will be delivered to everlasting life in heaven, in the very presence of God, which is the most beautiful and joyous place you could ever be. So he knows to die is gain. He also knows that he desires to depart. If it were up to him, get this, if it were up to him, he'd go ahead and die. He'd go ahead and let the Romans kill him, if it were up to him. That's what he desires. Why does he desire that? Because it is better by far to be with Christ and be delivered from the suffering and the pain and the sin and the turmoil of this world. So he's got all these pros. Hey, even if I'm killed, look at how good it will be in the presence of God. But there's also pros if he's not killed. There's, he lists a bunch of pros of serving Christ, of staying alive and being delivered from prison. First, he knows Christ will be exalted because all of the believers will praise God that Paul was released from prison so that he can continue the work of what Christ wants him to do with his life. He knows that to live is Christ, which means there is joy even in even if living, uh, having a God's presence in our life even before we go to heaven, even in this life, we know the presence of Christ in our lives. He knows that it will be fruitful labor for him. He knows that if he's released and he continues to preach the good news about Christ, he continues to disciple people in the faith, that people will come to know God. So it's fruitful for him to do that. And finally, and this might be a kicker for Paul, it is more necessary for him to stay. It is more necessary for him to be released from prison to disciple more and more people. Why? Because heaven can wait. People can't. Heaven can wait. We're not risking heaven if we stay alive. If you're a believer, heaven's yours. Heaven can wait. People who do not know Christ, who need to learn about Christ, they can't. So there's all of these pros of seeing Christ and all of these pros of serving Christ. He's joyfully torn between the two. He knows that deliverance is coming no matter the outcome. Whether it goes this way or that way, he knows deliverance is coming. And you know what? That same truth is for you and for me. Deliverance is coming. You may not be in control of the situation you're in. It could go one way or another. But guess what? If you are a believer in Christ, if you know the God who's in control of all things, you know that deliverance is coming one way or another. It doesn't matter if you're looking down bankruptcy. It doesn't matter if you're looking down divorce. It doesn't matter if you're looking down that exam that you might pass or fail. It doesn't matter if you're looking down a job loss. Whatever it might be, 
deliverance is coming. God will work this out for good, even if we don't understand it right now. Whatever fork in the road you are on, whether it goes poorly or well, whether it goes exactly how you expect it or the worst possible outcome, if you know Christ, if you know God, if you know he loves you and he is in control, deliverance is coming. You can have joy in whatever situation you're in if you know that, if you know God. Now, what if that fork in the road is as dire as it could be? What if that fork in the road is, well, I just had a medical test and I don't know what the diagnosis is going to be. It could be benign, it could be fatal. What now? What if I'm in that kind of fork in the road? One of us, or all of us at some point in our lives, we will be there one way or another. How can we have joy even then? And this is what we're going to learn next. And this is great. This is wonderful truth. The power of death is dead. If you know Christ, if you know God, if you know what he's done, and we're going to go over what he's done, if you know him, you no longer have to fear death because the power of death is dead. And Paul knew this. Take a look at what he says. Take a look at what he says. Uh, actually, if you reread that whole passage, and I'm not going to ask you to do that, but there was something remarkably absent from the prose of serving Christ. Remember, he, he listed off all the good reasons why serving Christ, being delivered from prison, would be a good thing. There's something remarkably absent from that. You'd think that one of the pros of being delivered from prison would be the fact that he doesn't have to go through death. He doesn't have to die. He doesn't have to face the unknown of whatever goes on the other, whatever happens on the other side of death. You, you'd think that that would be on there, but it's remarkably absent. Instead, he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can it be gain to die? I mean, if you or I were in that situation, if you were in prison and you were wondering whether or not you're going to get executed, likely what's on your mind is, I just want to live, right? Right? I just want to live. I just want to live. Just let me live, let me live, let me live. That's probably what would consume our thoughts that whole time. But for Paul, that does, it's, it's remarkable. It doesn't even enter into the equation because he knows something, and he knows something that all believers can know. That the power of death is dead. Paul had met the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He had seen the man who died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. He had seen the man who had conquered death, who had, uh, who had vic victory over death. To show those who follow him what kind of victory they will also have. All of us, if you are believers in Christ, will have the same victory. We will be resurrected just like Christ was. The power of death no longer has its sting, its sway over us because Christ has risen from the dead. And this is remarkable. You know, can you imagine for a second what it would be like if Lazarus, you remember Lazarus? He's a new, there's a New Testament story where Lazarus was a man who died and he was dead for four days. And then Jesus showed up on the scene and Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And I want you to imagine for a second what it would be like 
if Lazarus went ahead and started preaching the gospel? What would it be like if Lazarus, this man that was risen from the dead, went ahead and started preaching the gospel to people? Someone actually did think about that. And they made a, pay, a play, actually, in the last hundred years. Someone made a play, and it was called, well, I'm, I'm not going to share, uh, share with you the title of it because it's going to ruin the punchline here. But this is what happened. This is what happened in this play. Lazarus goes around the countryside preaching the gospel. He's preaching about Jesus rising from the dead. And the authorities, the Roman authorities, don't like that. So they capture him, and they bring him towards the Roman authorities. And they try and get him to recant his beliefs. They try and get him to deny Christ. And Lazarus just won't do it. He will not deny Christ. So they continue getting Lazarus up the authority ladder in front of more and more important people so that they can try and get him to recant his faith. But no, nothing works. No one can do anything. And then eventually, as he rises up the ranks, he's met with Emperor Caligula himself, the leader of the Roman Empire, the most powerful person on the planet at that time. Lazarus is before Caligula. And Caligula says to Lazarus, if you do not recant your faith, if you do not deny Christ, we'll kill you. And you know what Lazarus did? This is the title of the play. Lazarus laughed. He laughed. He's in front of the most powerful man in the world. And he says to him, if you don't deny Christ, we'll kill you. Little does he know that Lazarus already did that. He was already dead. And Jesus rose him from the dead. He already knows someone who has the power over life and death. And it's not Caligula. It's Christ. He laughed. And you know what he says to Caligula? This is all a play. This isn't necessarily true. It's a play. But he says to Caligula, haven't you heard? Death is dead. Death no longer has its power over us. If we are believers in Christ, death no longer has its power. We can have this remarkable, astonishing indifference to death. Now let me, let me explain to you what that means because that might be very startling to you. We can have astonishing indifference towards death. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. The purpose of the believer's life, the purpose of your life is not to simply prolong the length of your life. Here's why. If you prolong the length of your life, you're not going to get more life, right? Because you've already got eternal life. In knowing Christ, you are already given eternal life. So if you prolong this earthly life, you're not getting more life. So that's off the table. Will you get more joy? No. If you prolong this earthly life, you won't get more joy either. Why? Because the, in the presence of God, there is joy forevermore. So prolonging your earthly life, it neither gives you more joy, nor does it give you more life. But the purpose of our life also is not to make sure we get to the finish line of our earthly life as quickly as possible either. That's not the point. The point is, our life is no longer about just prolonging it. Our life is now about serving Christ, following Christ, giving our lives to Christ, and in so doing that, finding our joy, our supreme joy in knowing Christ. That's what we're about. It's not about having a long earthly life. God may bless us with that. It's about serving Christ and finding our joy in him. 
you might think that this is something that's completely impossible for you. You might think, I, I don't know if I could ever have that kind of astonishing indifference to life and death. I, I, can't, I can't do that. You know, you can't even imagine being there. But did you know that God has already done the miraculous in you? God has already done something impossible in you? If you are here and you are a believer, God's already done the impossible in your life. In your natural self, you would never come to believe that Jesus rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. But if you believe that, God's done a miracle in you. And God can do this miracle in you as well. As we seek him, as we follow Christ, as we seek his beauty in his word, as we get more and more joy about knowing who Christ is, we will see Christ as supremely valuable. More valuable than even life itself. And by the way, that's how the people around you, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, that's how they know Christ is alive. That's how they'll know Christ is real. If you live in such a way that Christ is so precious, such a treasure, that he is greater than even life itself, the people around you, they're going to know that you are for real and that they want that treasure. What could be better? What could be better? Now, you might think at this point that, okay, Paul, he's in prison. He's got these two outcomes. It seems to me, you might think, that either option is okay. Paul should say, you'd expect him to say at the end of this, okay, either I live or I die. It doesn't matter. Both ways, God is glorified and I have joy. You'd think that, but that's actually not where Paul ends up. <laughs> this passage just gets more and more remarkable. Here's another thing that Paul is going to teach us and another thing that Paul knew. There is more joy in others' joy. There is even more joy to be had in bringing more and more people into the joy of knowing God. Take a look at what it says next. Verse 25. It's, he says, Convinced of this, I know that, actually, I'm going to go back to verse, verse 24. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you, uh, with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So who saw that coming? Paul said, hey, I desire to depart. It is better for me to depart. It seems like the most godly thing for him to do is just pack it in, right? And say, okay, I'm ready to go home. But that's not the case. He says it is more necessary. It is more necessary for him to stay, for him to be released from prison. So if he had it his way, he would be released. And he would bring more and more people into the joy of knowing Christ. For him, and this is remarkable, this is unbelievable. For him, the more sacrificial thing to do is to live. Wow. <laughs> wow. What an incredible place to be in. The more sacrificial thing for Paul to do is live. Now, you may not be in a life or death situation. But you will at some point in your life, maybe even now, you'll be wrestling with this same question that Paul was wrestling with. And here it is. Here's the question. Is this best for me 
or is this best for all? Is this just best for me? Or is this just best, is this best for all? See, what's best for Paul, he knows what's best for Paul. It's best for him to, de to depart. I mean, he's an old man, he's sickly. He, if it was up to him, he would go. But he considers not just what is best for himself, but that which is better for as many people as possible. Because again, heaven can wait. People can't. If anyone had a reason to say, I can just go into retirement, it's Paul. He's lived a long life. He's planted churches. Countless people have come to faith because of his ministry. He's written the page, uh, many pages of, of scripture. And now he's imprisoned. He's threatened with death. And the possibility of dying is pretty high. If anyone has a right to say, that's it for me, I'm done, I'm, I'm going into retirement, it's Paul. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He says, hey, if I'm not dead yet, I'm not done yet. If I'm not dead yet, I'm not done yet. And that is true for all of us. If I'm not dead yet, I'm not done yet. And God's not done with me yet. So I'm not going to go ahead and list all of the wonderful ways that you can invite more people into the joy of knowing Christ. But I will list at least one. You know there are people out there in your sphere of influence that will come with you to church and are genuinely interested in the things of God and all they need is an invitation? Like, get this, like, we don't even need to be afraid of death. We do not need to be afraid of Caligula's sword. We certainly don't need to be afraid of our dear neighbors, right? And we can simply say, hey, I'm going to church. What's your experience with church? I love that line. That's a great line. Learn this line. What's your experience been with church? Everyone's got a story. You've got a conversation starter right there. Hey, I'm going to church this Sunday. What's your experience been with church? Either it's been poor, uh, it might have been good, they might have grown up in, in the church, they might have been thinking about it, who knows? But that's a great way to start a conversation. Hey, would you wanna, do you want to learn more? Come, come with me to Richview Baptist Church. We want as many people to know the joy of knowing Christ as possible because, because there's more joy that we can have in others' joy. Again, our mission statement is joyfully leading people to a growing relationship with Christ. Joyfully leading people to a growing relationship with Christ. Can we all say that at once? One, two, three. Joyfully leading people to a growing relationship with Christ. One of these Sundays, we might just ask you to say it, right? We're just hoping that we get it. That's what we're here for. Not just simply a long life, but a life that most glorifies Christ and brings the most joy to others and to ourselves. And now, I want you to consider for a second God himself. God himself. God is perfect in every way. He has perfect joy. Nothing can be added to God's joy. His joy is infinite. Infinite. And yet, God sent us his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that those who believe in him can enter into that joy. He did that which was best for all. And so, looking to Christ 
as our model, looking to him as our savior, we say, I'm not just going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what's best for all. What a wonderful thing to consider as we now go into a time of communion. I'm going to ask the band if they'd come up. We're going to sing a closing song. And I just want to pray for us as we close the sermon. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that we can have, no matter the circumstance. We don't know how things will turn out, but you do. We don't know how much it will cost us, but you do. You don't know, we don't know how we can affect things, but you do. So Lord, I pray that you would help us, help us to trust you wherever we're at, knowing that you are in control, knowing that you are God. Lord, give us the joy we need to follow you. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.